Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosold, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Lots of chores to do this morning as the harvest will continue. A few scattered showers out there. Bob and Jill with you this morning. Showered for me on the way in. I had to rain windshield wipers on. What about you? It wasn't wet at home, but it did rain on my way when I got up closer to Eau Claire. All right, so scattered showers and less windy, hopefully, today. The last couple of days have been kind of windy out there, but pleasant. It'll be 47, 47 today and tomorrow, then cooling off Friday and Saturday. 40 on Friday, 43 on Saturday, and by Monday, we'll be into the 50s, sunshine. So the harvest will continue. We'll update what's going on as far as the harvest in Wisconsin and around the country. Also found out yesterday that the uh, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, Mr. Michael Regan, will be in Eau Claire today out at uh, Hunsinger Farms about noon, I guess. It's, you know, I don't think it's anything earth-shattering. It's uh, campaign time, so everybody in the Biden administration is out and about, and they will be for the for the next year as, uh, you know, elections are upon us. We had big votes yesterday, Ohio and Virginia, and I don't know where else, but uh, I'm sure we'll get an update on the news here in a few minutes. So uh, that's going on. Also, uh, more FFA results. We've got uh, some kids. Well, we got a lot of programs to listen to, that's for sure, from, uh, what, uh, New Auburn? A lot of kids from New Auburn? New Auburn kids. Yeah, I, I was kind of busy down there, but I've got three different sets from... Kids that uh, qualified in national agri-science. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. How about right now we hear from a couple of them, Sawyer and Joel. What's that all about? Well, they have the power structural and technical systems. They're in Division Four. They placed fifth in the nation oh, for good. their project. Well, let's hear that. Jill, with those uh, young people from New Auburn, again, courtesy of Ag Country Farm Credit Service, Compere Financial, and Citizen State Bank of Loyal, Back to Indianapolis. It's always good to have those national qualifiers from our area. And from New Auburn, I've got Sawyer Jones and Joseph Reimer from the New Auburn FFA down here at the 96th National FFA Convention in Indianapolis. They qualified to get into that agri-science fair. First of all, Sawyer, what's the name of your project and what category are you in? On board with research to minimize aquatic invasive species, and we're in power, structural, and technical design. 
That's a quite a mouthful. You want to tell me a little bit about what your project is about? Yeah, we designed an onboard system that washes off our boat of aquatic invasive species. And using a pump and water, we spray the sides of our boat to wash off the invasive species. And Joseph, how many times did you do this experiment to get the data? So we had two categories, the pressurized system and the non-pressurized system. And we ran both of those for 10 tests in sets of three. Did you have to use your own boat? Uh, No, a community member loaned us a boat for our project. And how does this experiment affect the community and help them out? Um, It helps not only our community because a lot of people in our community are fishermen and we have aquatic invasive species in our area, but also worldwide because aquatic invasive species is a problem all over the globe. And you guys washed it off. Did you use any kind of formula to get your uh, boats clean? No, mostly we just used water. Water and the pressure then? Yeah. Which did you find was most effective? The pressurized system, because the non-pressurized system didn't have enough pressure to push the water around the hose to get on the side of the boat. And we're talking about fishing, we're talking about boats, that's right up my alley. Sawyer, you a fisherman? Yeah. What do you like to fish for best? Uh, panfish or bass? And what about you, Joseph? Bass or walleye? And do you guys know how to fillet them and cook them all up and everything? Yeah. When's the fish fry? Friday. Always good to hear about some of those projects that really relate to the area. And that was Sawyer Jones and Joseph Reimer from the New Auburn FFA down here at the National FFA Convention. I'm Jill Welke, and our program is sponsored by. Compere Financial, A Country, Farm Credit Services, and Citizen State Bank of Loyal. Great experiences for those kids to be down there and also to answer questions from the judges and uh, explain why they did what they did. But again, it's a good project because it affects what's going on in their community. That's what I think is the best about it. They could relate it right back to the importance of it. Absolutely. So uh, good job, guys. Again, who are those two young men? Sawyer Jones? Sawyer Jones and Joseph Reimer. All right, so uh, good job, and we'll hear from uh, more of those uh, young people from the FFA convention. Again, when you're down there, and how, how many were from Wisconsin were there? Did uh, did they ever give you a number? How many from approximately? No, I never got a number, but something that I find interesting is there's nine categories um, in the agri-science fair, mm-hmm. and eight of them were from our area. Oh, wow. So, New Auburn, Bloomer, and Osseo Fairchild. Good for them. All right. And, uh, you know, more and more chapters and students are getting involved in uh, that area of agri-science. It's a good way to get to the convention. It's a good way to learn more. And uh, instructors uh, really, uh, really do a good job getting those kids lined up. Like they said, they got a local guy to lend them their boat, lend them his boat so they could do it. It's not a bad deal. I, got, I don't have a boat. Maybe I'll come up with a program and I can borrow somebody's <laughs> boat and go fishing all summer. <laughs> Good idea, guys. Good idea. All right, we've got lots to talk about this morning. As we said, the administrator of the uh, Environmental Protection Agency is going to be in town today in Eau Claire, Michael Regan at Hunsinger Farms uh, later on today. So, again, he'll be uh, talking about what the uh, White House, you know, their emphasis is clean air and clean water, speaking about uh, fishing and all the invasive species with the uh, New Auburn guys. So uh, that'll be a that'll be a good time. Also, hey, we did it yesterday, had a little fun, and we'll continue this if you want to. It's up to you. 
you know, the Mount Rushmore of country music. I said, think about the, who'd you put on the Mount Rushmore of country music? Again, four names is all. And you go back to the start of country music when it was country and western, and then it's country and, uh, you know, this. I got uh, Todd sent in. His, his four on Mount Rushmore, Tom T. Hall, Johnny Cash, George Jones, and Tennessee Ernie Ford. Man after my own heart. Sixteen tons, and what do you get? <laughs> so that's Todd. Also, Corey, Johnny Cash, George Strait, Blake Shelton, Reba McIntyre. So that so those are his four. Also, Brian, I'd pick Dolly, Reba, George Strait, and for the newer generation, Luke Combs. Uh, so anyway, like I said, there's no wrong answers. And uh, if you want to send us who you think should be on Mount Rushmore for country music, again, it's only four, and there's no wrong answers. Send it to us, waxbob at gmail.com. Send me your thoughts, on, uh, and we'll take a look at them and uh, agree or not agree. I think, uh, you know, some great names were put in this morning, and if you've got some thoughts, send them along. We'll, uh, we'll have a little fun with that. Mount Rushmore of country music. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And you know, Faith Hill is going to be on my Mount Rushmore. I'm sure she is. <laughs> All right, we got some scattered showers out there today, and windshield wipers uh, on delay is about what it amounts to. And a little less windy today, 47, 33 overnight, 47 tomorrow, partly cloudy, and I don't see any more showers or rain in the forecast for a few days. Thursday, 47, Friday, 40, 43 on Saturday, 48 on Sunday with a few clouds, 55 and sunny on Monday. So the combines are going to keep rolling. We've got 39 degrees right now in the valley. Hey, it's a minute after 5 on a Wednesday morning at Wax. This is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. A lot of voting going on. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden is cheering an Ohio ballot measure enshrining abortion protection in the state's constitution as a win for democracy. Biden released a statement following Tuesday's vote, saying Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms. Ohio's Issue 1 establishes abortion protections in the state's constitution, guaranteeing the right to an abortion up until fetal viability. Ohio is now the first Republican-controlled state to enshrine the right to an abortion in its constitution. The Biden administration is stressing that Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas as the administration faces growing pressure to push for a ceasefire. 1,400 people slaughtered in their homes at a music festival. And when Hamas decided to conduct operations, it was with the intent of killing people. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said President Biden has discussed brief humanitarian pauses with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to allow aid to get into Gaza. The White House, however, is not calling for a permanent ceasefire at this time. Netanyahu has also said he would not consider a ceasefire until all hostages held by Hamas are released. This comes as Israel is bombarding the Gaza Strip and thousands of civilians have been killed. The Supreme Court is deciding whether people who are the subject of protective orders should be allowed to keep their guns. Lisa Taylor explains. Solicitor General Elizabeth Preloger argued this should be an easy case to decide. The constitutional principle is clear. You can disarm dangerous persons. The case before the court involves a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she told anyone. She got a restraining order. An appeals court ruled in favor of her former boyfriend, saying that gun bans violate the Second Amendment. I'm Lisa Taylor. 
And researchers at the University of South Florida Health are making a breakthrough regarding treatments for people with Alzheimer's disease. Officials are looking for FDA approval for a drug that's already given to people with significant dementia as part of the AHEAD study. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, looking at our 13 first alert weather this morning, we've got some scattered showers out there and less windy today. At least that's in the forecast. Hopefully that comes true. 47 out there for the high today. 33 tonight, 47 again tomorrow. Partly cloudy, mostly cloudy on Friday and 40. That'll be maybe the worst day of the next five or six. Saturday, 43, partly cloudy. A few clouds on Sunday, but we should see a lot of sun on Sunday. 48 Monday. It should be mostly all sun and 55 right now. Cool spot around here, well, one of them is Medford at 34. The major reporting spots, that is. 38 in Rice Lake, 37 in Marshfield, 43 in La Crosse, 41 in Green Bay, Madison, Sun Prairie, a very pleasant 44 degrees, and we can't say that all the time about uh, being pleasant around uh, Madison, Sun Prairie. 48 Milwaukee, 39 in the Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls area. And let's get to the markets this morning. Cash Livestock, it's a Wednesday. We had a couple of days of trading. What do the numbers look like, Joe? Choice fed beef steers are 174 to 184 with mixed steers at 173 and down. Choice fed beef heifers are 173 to 183 with mixed at 114 to 172. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 135 to 179. Fed, choice fed Holstein steers are 154 to 166 with select and silage fed steers 156 and down. Cows are 74 to 94 with a nine, top of 119. Bulls are 90 to 119. There's no quote for new crop. Market lambs, feeder lambs are 35 to 220. Ewes are 55 to 110. Small goats are 10 to $155. Medium goats are 25 to $235. Large goats are one hundred twenty to six hundred dollars, with nanny goats at fifty to two hundred eighty dollars. And let's take a look at the mercantile exchange. Same story as yesterday. Cattle prices down. Hogs were higher. December live cattle one seventy eight seventy seven down two fifty five. February down three fifty five at one seventy eight forty two. April down four dollars at one eighty sixty. In June down three ninety seven at one seventy five seventy. Feeder cattle November two thirty two twenty two down four ninety five and again these are big drops January two thirty eighty two down five sixty March two thirty three twenty five five eighty five lower April two thirty seven ten down five seventy five May at two forty thirty seven down five eighty seven and uh, kind of hard to figure because uh, again uh, cattle aren't <laughs> the cattle herd has been struggling because of the uh, you know. A lot of feed, not a lot of feed out there. These cow calf operations shrinking, and a lot of these heifers going into the feedlots. Lean hogs, December seventy two ninety, that was up a half a dollar. February seventy six oh two up seven. April hogs were unchanged at eighty one twenty five, and May up a nickel at eighty six eighty two. Board of Trade yesterday, interesting, as we have the uh, corn price down eight and three quarter cents to four sixty eight. That's the uh, lowest close for the contract of, of this year, and with the harvest about done. 
Beans were down too, shrugging off some strong meal demand and some concerns of dry weather in Brazil. Looking at the prices overnight, December corn and March corn both bounced back three cents as the December corn bounced off that low for the year, sitting at 471 this morning. March corn at 486. Oats down a fraction of 351. We had wheat for December up seven at 577. January beans up 13 cents overnight, back to 1375, where it was yesterday morning at this time. March beans up 12 at 1386, and December meal up 740 a ton at 454.80. Dairy markets uh, not good. No up arrows yesterday. Barrel cheese down three and a half, 154 and a half. Blocks down a quarter, 169 and three quarter butter. Now under three dollars, down eleven and a quarter at two eighty nine and three quarters. November class three down eleven, seventeen oh six. December down twenty four, back under seventeen at sixteen eighty seven. January down sixteen at seventeen oh four. February down fifteen at seventeen fifty six. March down eleven at seventeen ninety six. Ten minutes after five, thirty nine degrees. We'll get up to about forty seven today. Harvest is wrapping up, and it's time to take a look at those inventories. I've got Pete Crollo. He's a certified animal scientist at Allied Cooperative ProVision Partners. Feed inventories, from our forage inventory to our corn inventory, we really need to be checking those out this fall to make sure we have enough for the long haul in the cold season. Being that time of year again, Jill, we need to take inventory of all of our forages. Forages such as corn silage, haylage, hay, peas and oats. Then we also should look at the grains such as high moisture corn, shell corn, oats, soybeans, or any other product that you have stored for your livestock this winter. Your friendly and helpful Allied Co-op nutritionist will help you calculate the tonnage that you have for each of these, and then we will set up your diets to ensure that you don't run out of forages before the next harvest season. For example, if you have 100 dairy cows and you feed them 30 pounds per head per day of corn silage, you will need roughly 450 ton of corn silage and 360 ton of haylage if you feed 40 pounds per head per day with that corn silage of haylage before you harvest your next corn silage next fall and haylage next spring. And now we're measuring our inventories, but along with measuring, should we be doing some testing so we know about the quality? Always. That should probably be a monthly protocol, is to check and see if there is a change in moistures, a major change in digestibility of your corn silage or haylage or starch or protein levels. Uh, that should be done monthly, but, but yearly is when we want to do our inventories. Should we be calculating our inventories more than once in the year? Halfway through the winter season, we might get a little nervous if we don't have quite enough. So if we measure right now and we say we have X tons, well, we know that our next harvest is going to be in October. But if we have an early corn harvest or we have a late corn harvest... If we do our due diligence now and we figure out how many tons of corn silage we have on hand, we should be pretty close. But if we do have in the back of our heads, gosh, maybe I was feeding a little strong, maybe that extra 100 or 200 pounds every day, maybe I'm, I might be short on my inventory, what I thought. We can do these inventories any time of year. Farmers in the past that say, you know, I only have 100 ton of, of this feed and I need it to go 
for the next 10 months where we know we can only feed 100 uh, of that 100 ton over the next 10 months we can only feed 10 ton per month so if we figure that out by the livestock feed rate we have this much to stretch it and then we have this much of other products what do we need to purchase to bring in if we are going to be short on forages but hopefully we can use what we have on farm and reduce our purchase costs to increase our profitability and that's probably the the biggest underlying point here is let's use what we have on farm to reduce our cost help out our budget we do the same with our grains whether you have high moisture shell corn or you have shelled corn dry shell corn and oats and soybeans and any other thing maybe you got wheat on farm we've got so many tons how many tons per month can we use by the number of cattle and stretch it out or maybe we have an excess of x number of tons and hey the price is really good let's sell that extra excess so once we have all of your grains and your forages figured out for the year uh, it's like building a budget so we build a budget for your feed uh, then since we know what you used last year in forages or you have in forages in siled on farm is that going to be roughly the same for next year or do we need to plant more corn silage or do we need to harvest more haylage or baled hay to increase our tonnage or can we cut back and plant maybe soybeans since you know what you're going to be planting hey now is also the time to book your inoculant and your plastic needs for next year and the good part here at allied co-op when you book it your inoculant and your plastic you don't have to pay for it up front you can if you want but you don't have to otherwise you're billed when you take possession of it which could be next spring summer or fall kind of another neat thing we do here at allied co-op so jill if they ever have questions they can just call their friendly allied co-op team member and we are there for you to help you become more profitable for tomorrow good time to look at those inventories and that's our allied cooperative program for this wednesday morning with pete crollo he's the certified animal scientist and i'm jill welke keeping it rural Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Once again, we're about 39 degrees out there looking at our 13 first alert weather. We'll get some scattered showers this morning if you got to turn the wind. I don't think you got to turn them on regular, just intermittent and should be enough. And less windy today as well and 47 the high. Crops are coming off. We'll find out all about that, how fast and where they're coming off the most. Crop reports out. We'll look at that as our farm news continues. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And again, some farm news to look at, courtesy of Chili Implement Chili. And uh, Jill, what's going on in the fields? Well, the combines are still rolling as farmers hustle to get the rest of their corn and soybeans off. And I did see a bunch of combines rolling yesterday on my way home. And according to this week's Crop Progress Report, Wisconsin farmers now have half the state's corn harvested, a little behind both last year and the five-year average. The soybean harvest is much farther along, as 83% of our soybeans are now in the bin. But like corn, that's a little behind our normal progress for early November. The fall season is about done, as all the potatoes have been heart dug, and 97% of the winter wheat has been planted, with 67% of that crop emerged. Farmers have also about 45% of their fall tillage done. Topsoil moisture this week didn't change much from last week, as it's now rated 85% adequate to surplus, 12% short, and 3% very short. And nationally, 
farmers are much further ahead with the corn harvest, as 81% of the crop has been combined, a jump of 10% from a week ago and slightly ahead of the five-year pace. Major growers like Iowa and Illinois are both about 90% harvested. For soybeans, 91% of that crop has been combined, slightly ahead of the five-year average. And like corn, Iowa and Illinois farmers are the furthest along, with over 95% harvested. Farmers across the country also have 90% of their winter wheat planted, with 75% of that crop emerged. And the ballots are out to farmers eligible to vote in the this year's FSA County Committee elections. Every year, one-third of the county votes for someone to serve a three-year term on the committee. Those ballots must be returned by December 4th, either by mail or in person, to the County Farm Service Agency office. All right, and uh, coming up, we're going back to Indianapolis to talk to the new leaders, right? We are going back to Indianapolis. We're going to talk to the national president. Amara Jackson from Michigan, the National Secretary, Grant Norfleet from Missouri, and the Central Region Vice President, Canyon Huntington from Iowa. All right, and we'll get that done courtesy again of the folks at Ag Country Financial Services, also at Citizen State Bank of Loyal and Compere Financial. Agriculture. It's the Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, so much excitement and smiles on so many faces as we wrap up the 96th National FFA Convention here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I get the opportunity to talk to the national officers. And we've got a new national president from Michigan, Amara Jackson. Big smiles coming from her. But I want to take a little tick back. What brought you to FFA? So I joined FFA my freshman year of high school, but when I joined, I actually didn't love it right away. I I was that student that was involved in everything under the sun from I was a dancer, I rode horses, I was on the swim team, and the list went on. So I just assumed I I couldn't put one more thing in my schedule. But my sister Avi pulled me to an FFA meeting, and after that, I just started to fall in love with the people. And that year, I got to go to our first state convention, and man, did I just feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And throughout my FFA career, if it wasn't for my sister, and then my two FFA advisors, Mr. Keisling and Mrs. Stiles, I would not be in this seat today. As an FFA member, you need some projects. What were yours? So I had two big projects, mainly in the FFA. I had an equine science supervised agriculture experience where my sister and I showed and raised horses. Um, And then I had another... Uh, supervised agricultural experience with um, an ag sales placement where I worked at a local um, farm-to-table store where I helped close the gap from consumer to producer. What did they teach you about the relationship between the producer and the consumer? Oh my goodness. They really brought to light how important agricultural literacy is um, between producer and consumer. And as a producer perspective, we must be able to articulate what we're doing and why we're doing what, we're do- what we do. And then for th- from the consumer perspective, we must be able to present that information in, in a tangible way for the- our consumers. And so it was exciting during that time with, with that project to, to just learn about our consumers and understand their wants and their needs and how as a producer we could provide that. You talk a lot about learning. You're going to be learning a lot this next year of service. What are some of the things that you hope to get out of being out and about with the FFA members? 
I am so excited to just learn about students' backgrounds and their experiences. I mean, we all come from different walks of life and have had very different journeys in and out of our Blue Jackets. And throughout the year, I'm really looking forward to those one-on-one conversations and just building those relationships with students and my five other teammates and stakeholders and sponsors and just really getting to know the people that love our organization. And after the year of service, you're probably going to have to grow up and do some adulting. (laughs) What might that look like? So after I complete my year of service, then I will head back to Oklahoma State University, where I'm currently attending. I have a dual major with agricultural communications and agribusiness. So I will continue uh, to get that degree and graduate with that. And then afterwards, I'm considering law school and very passionate about estate planning and farm succession and just representing agriculture in that light. And so currently, that's my plan. But throughout the year as a national officer, I'm very open-minded and willing to see what else, what other opportunities there might be. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. <laughs> And that's our new national FFA president, Amara Jackson, from Michigan. Right now, I've got the national secretary, Grant Norfleet. He's from Missouri. Missouri, I always think cattle. What's your SAE? So I had a handful of SAEs growing up. I live in northeast Missouri on my family's cow-calf operation. So I grew up showing livestock uh, along with my younger brother. We also had row crops, corn and soybeans mostly. Uh, but aside from that, I took a leap outside of production agriculture as well and had a service learning SAE uh, where I revived a agricultural education summer camp program for our local youth in my community that I hosted each summer throughout my high school career. I'm a cattle person, so I'm going to bring you right on back to those cattle. What breed, how many do you have? So we are, you know, we take a little bit of everything uh, on with our operation, but when we're showing, uh, we like to dabble in Scimitol. Uh, we also have, uh, we've t- t- tried the maintainers a little bit uh, as well. And so we've got just a little bit of everything on our operation. We, you know, we always say, you know, what's affordable now? Uh, what can we do to that? So that's what we got going on in our operation. But in the show barn, we like to have a few purebreds. Well, I always like to hear about cattle in that production agriculture. And it's kind of a production to get you into this office. What were some of the steps that you had to take to get here? Man, so looking back to, I think the day was May 19th is when I ran for candidacy in the state of Missouri. And so I had to go through an entire uh, selection process there. Uh, We did that at the American Royal in Kansas City. And then I've been, you know, ever since I've been working on prepping to be a national FFA officer. So this summer I actually got the opportunity to serve as the Missouri FFA Camp Leadership Director. Uh, So I got to spend six and a half weeks in Lake Ozark, Missouri at Camp Rising Sun, uh, getting to interact with FFA members for the whole summer. And so although that may have not been a direct preparation for national office, it's been a great reminder getting back to connect with students. Aside from that, I've been taking advantage of the amazing resources faculty and staff we have on campus at the University of Missouri Columbia, uh, getting to engage with those faculty, pick their brain on uh, what they're an expert in, their sector of agriculture so I could better be an advocate for those sectors as well. Aside from that, uh, my favorite part's been doing chapter visits with students, getting to see what they like about FFA, what they maybe don't like so much, um, and getting to bring those ideas to fruition this year. I always like to hear that connection with the members and getting back and kind of getting back to those roots. So what have you been hearing out there? You know, members are really excited, you know, and want to just make sure that we're continuing to cultivate a community within FFA and wanting to make sure that we're continuing to engage each other beyond the chapter level. Not only are we making connections with at the local level within our FFA chapter, but what are better ways we can connect with members across the country or across our state as well? You know, better form those bonds because you never know who you'll meet and where your paths will cross again. But also we're seeing FFA members that are wanting to continue to have more mentorship. I'm a firm believer that mentorship matters, and so this year I want to make sure that we can find ways to how we can connect our alumni and supporters, but also our 
our industry stakeholder partners with members so they can have those impactful change because when you're trusted to be the next generation of leaders to change the world, you might want to have a trusted mentor along the way to have that daunting task achieved. I think that sounds like a pretty lofty plan for this next year of service. I'm going to ask you a little bit farther beyond that. You're in college. What's your major? I am studying agricultural education leadership, and I'm currently a senior at the University of Missouri. Uh, so I have a one semester left a year from now, I guess. And I'm hoping to go into non-formal education, program and curriculum development, uh, whether that's for youth programs, uh, but also making sure that we're just doing that transfer of learning as uh, we're studying that properly. Uh, so whether that's creating onboarding processes for businesses on how we can you know, properly train uh, student or f- employees when they come into HR, um, or we do different ways on you know, how can we properly train you know, the uh, aging farming population on using precision agricultural technologies as we continue to evolve in production agriculture. It's always good to hear that you have a direction that you're going and such a passion for agriculture and making it better for the future. And that's the new National Secretary for the FFA, Grant Norfleet. He's from Missouri. The new Central Region National Vice President, Canyon Huntington. He's from Iowa. Let's talk a little bit about the journey to get here. Absolutely. So I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm, so agriculture has been a lot of my journey in this process. But when I first started FFA, I wasn't even thinking about joining any contests, being a state officer, or even this moment of being elected a national officer. I was focused on showing those sheep at my county fair and state fair. But my advisor pulled me in and he said, Canyon, you're going to do soil judging. And I looked at him and I said, Mr. Cooley, what even is that? Like, I've never heard of that before. But while I found an appreciation for soil judging, I also found an appreciation for this organization and the opportunities that it gives students to really step outside of their comfort zone and find a way to believe in themselves. And you're just getting into this office. Any talents that you're going to be bringing right to the forefront and something that you would like to accomplish in this next year of service? I think just meeting people where they're at. A big thing for me is being empathetic and really kind of understanding people and finding a way to connect with them. And I can't wait for this journey ahead because we have so many amazing members, almost a million, and I can't wait to meet with them, share my story, but also hear their stories and the journeys that they've had to become, you know, the next generation of change makers. And we've talked a little bit about your FFA project and what you're hoping to get out of it, but you didn't just come off the farm and get into this. What were some of those steps? Were you a chapter officer? I was. So I started off as chapter treasurer and then I ended up working my way up to chapter president. And from there, my advisor kind of told me, hey, I want you to run for district office. And the first year I ran, I didn't get it. And it was a humbling moment for me. I needed to fall on my face a little bit to understand what this organization really meant to me. And from there, I ran for district office again, was elected, and decided to run for state office, where I had an amazing year visiting over 40-plus chapters, doing facilitation workshops, and had an amazing state convention. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to take a year off. And then I came back and I said, I really want to do this national FFA thing. I want to make an even bigger impact and meet with all of our members. And after this year of service... Do you have any plans, or are they a little up in the air? A little up in the air. I do still have one semester left at Iowa State where I'm majoring in political science. So I'll go back there for one semester after this year is over, and then I'm planning on going to law school sometime in the future. All right. So, again, from listening to those three young people, I think the National FFA is in good hands. Six on the national officer team, and you just heard from three of them. And, uh, boy, boy, they're they're top-notch kids, that's for sure. All right, or top-notch young people, I should say. They're not kids so much anymore. One of them was from Missouri. We're going to talk to another guy who's got some Missouri ties. That's Rocky over at Premier Livestock next on Wax. 
the first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Rocky Olson joins us over at Premier Livestock now, and I don't know if you were listening. Did you listen to that kid from Missouri that's a new state national officer? I just caught the tail end there. Well, you should uh, you should talk to that kid as fast as he can talk. He could be an auctioneer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, good kids over there running the FFA for the next year. Well, I know you're a little under the weather with a cold here. We won't uh, we won't hold you up. Give us the market rundown. Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is our special feeder cattle auction shaped up yesterday. I had a big, big run of feeder cattle, uh, bigger than expected. We sold over 1,200 head of feeder cattle. Market was lower yesterday, although very still strong demand. Wet conditions, uh, lower feeder cattle and fed cattle futures putting pressure on that market. A good freeze uh, would definitely help that market. New crop beef calves mostly from 210 to 255. Uh, lightweights up to 275. Heavier yearlings from 160. 65 to 230. Holstein steers very lightly tested, mostly 130 to 170, and lightweights up to 210. Bread beef cows, so mostly 1,200 to 1,800. Uh, we had a few up to 2,000. Uh, got another special feeder cattle auction next week, uh, also featuring bread beef cows. That's next Tuesday, November 14th. Uh, today, Wednesday, we got our hay auction at 930, guys. The most hay we've had in months. Uh, we got a really nice run of hay, big run. Uh, top quality alfalfa. We got alfalfa grass squares and rounds. Uh, we also have four semi loads of processed Canadian wheat straw today. Uh, today, Wednesday, that's going to be underway at 9:30 on the hay sale. Then, uh, going to be at uh, 11 o'clock. We're going to have our dairy cattle auction. We're expecting over 300 head of dairy cattle. We do have two complete herd dispersals today. We got an 85 cow Holstein parlor freestall herd. We got another herd of 70 uh, Jersey tie stall cows, mini Jersey consignments today, uh, plus many exceptional loads of top-end parlor freestall cows from some of our best consigners. We also got a nice run of spraying heifers, uh, got some breeding bulls, including a nice registered red and white Holstein bull big enough for cows. Questions? Give us a call at Premier, 715-229-2500. Don't forget to go to our website. Lots more detailed information uh, on today's sale, individual consignments, uh, detailed market reports, uh, Premier Livestock and Auctions and that's the way it's shaping up, Bob. All right, go drink a little hot tea with honey and brandy, and you'll be all set. All right, sounds good. All right, we'll check on him in the morning. There goes Rocky over at uh, Premier Livestock. Let's go across the parking lot to 13 First Alert Weather. Mike Dandria is with us. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. Well, you uh, had to turn your windshield wipers uh, intermittent this morning coming in, and that's about it for the next few days, isn't it? Yeah, we'll have just a couple more chances at some scattered showers. Most of the widespread stuff is already off towards our east, but temperatures this morning starting off in the upper 30s, topping out in the mid to upper 40s later on. Pretty similar to what we had yesterday, temperature-wise anyways. For tonight, we'll have that cloud cover starting to clear out, and that'll make way for a colder start tomorrow morning as our lows dip to the low 30s. But we'll have a good bit of sunshine, but very gusty winds tomorrow, sustained anywhere from 15 to 25 miles per hour out of the west. Gusts nearing 30, certainly possible too. Friday, some cloud cover works in, possibly just a couple flurries, but temperatures in the upper 30s and low 40s. For Saturday, mostly sunny, highs in the mid 40s, and then we have a pattern shift heading our way, and that'll warm us up quite a bit with upper 40s and low 50s for Sunday, 
Monday, more sunshine, mid-50s for our highs. And Tuesday, we could even push all the way up into the upper 50s. But right now, we have a mainly cloudy sky, a couple showers in the area, and a temperature of 39 degrees in Eau Claire. Oh, that's good. Now, what are you planning? I heard you talking earlier about the Marine Corps birthday. Is this Friday? You got something special planned that you're going to do or not? <laughs> you know, what's kind of funny is uh, for my 30th birthday, which was last month, we yep. went to a wedding. 30? Is that all the older you are? Yeah, that's that's all the young I am. Oh, um, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, so we uh, we went to a wedding for that. And now the weekend of the Marine Corps birthday and Veterans Day, we're going to another wedding. And so it's like I got... Uh, there's a couple words I want to use, but I can't use them on the radio. But you get where I'm, you know where I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel about having weddings on my birthday and on the Marine Corps birthday slash Veterans Day. Yeah, that shouldn't shouldn't happen. That's not fair. Yeah. Not good. But oh, well. uh, I'm sure being the leatherneck that you are, you'll fight your way through it. I was going to say, I mean, there's this wedding might have an open bar. so <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> Enjoy that. We'll talk to you in the morning. All right. Sounds good. There you go. Mike Dandry over there. 13 first alert weather and uh, markets, weather, news with Morgan, all on wax. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And again, all brought to you by Christensen Sales of Abbotsford. Man, they've been in the business a long time. They know what they are doing, that's for sure. Well, let's get into the uh, newsroom. Morgan McCarthy is there. Morning, Morgan. Hey, good morning, guys. We've been talking about uh, Marine Corps birthday is Friday. Mm -hmm. Veterans Day is on Saturday. Did you ever fall for a guy in uniform? Every single I mean, day of my life. I mean, a military uniform. Some Every other... day of my life. I know, but it definitely all my respect and salutes. I know. Yeah. How are your your boys doing? Well, my one boy has got, well, he'll have 20 years in the Army coming up on uh, next April. Okay. But uh, there's a guy to fall for in uniform well, yeah, right there. there those soul there boys, I tell you. Oh, golly. Be still time. my heart. <laughs> Well, don't steal it too long because you got work to do. What's going on? We'll start with those headlines. Good morning. Now, here's what we're learning today. We're going to start in the courts, a connection and an update after we had had those photos posted on 715newsroom.com. And now it's a pair of teenagers from Florida who are looking at charges, officially in connection to a string of weekend thefts in the area, Eau Claire and Altoona. Prosecutors yesterday updating the charges. 18-year-old Demetrius Major, 17-year-old Kwan Robinson, uh, charged with breaking into at least a dozen cars and then leading police on that high-speed chase. Those two were in that black Range Rover and the Eau Claire police spent the weekend looking for and finding that. However, the white minivan in connection still out there. A judge set Robinson's bond at $25,000, majors at $100,000. An Illinois man is headed back to prison for decades for shooting and wounding a Kenosha County police dog. A judge yesterday sentenced Alan Brown to 59 years in prison. He was a convicted felon who was wanted in connection to a carjacking and killing in Chicago. Kenosha County deputies did spot him at a gas station, and after some talking, he ran. That's when deputies released the dog and the chase ensued. But during the chase, Brown shot the canine, Riggs, in the head. Though the dog, we're happy to say, eventually recovered and is doing well today. Looking into some other headlines, they round the bases and swing for the fences when it comes to funding. A plan to use taxpayer dollars to pay for the brewer's ballpark is changing. Yesterday, they said they've agreed to a non-brewer ticket tax that would raise about a half million dollars a year. It would be a $2 tax and added to tickets for things like concerts at AmFam Field. The money from that would shake out to mean the state would owe about uh, $377 million instead of the $411 million originally pitched. They're hoping to get onto this and vote as early as next week 
take at the state level. Locally, though, the budget is about $178 million, and time is running out for Eau Claire to change that as the city council looks to vote on the budget next week, and that would include pay raises for city workers. If you want to chime in, there will be a public hearing on Monday for you to offer input. The full city council, they're expected to approve the budget on Tuesday. And we go to a land far away. Researchers have discovered a black hole, but it's just a little ways away from here, like billions of light years from Earth. Mark Mayfield has the details. Monday in the journal Nature Astronomy says the black hole formed 470 million years ago, which makes it the oldest black hole ever discovered. Researchers say it was born supermassive and is 10 times bigger than the black hole in our own Milky Way. The black hole was likely created by the collapse of massive clouds of gas. I'm Mark Mayfield. And we better head it back to the barn. Millions of years before us and after us, those tours still have to be done. And Bob Bolsel, Jill Welke, sit with you on the Midwest Farm Report with Wax 104.5. Do you understand that? The no, black I- holes and uh, 480 million years ago, I, I just, uh, that's absolutely Greek to me. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. I can barely find the Big Dipper if I stare at the sky <laughs> long enough. So I'm happy if I can find Orion's belt and look from there. Yeah, you and me, boy. I know I forgot my belt this morning, too. So Bob, you just look to me as your North Star, and you'll oh, never you be led astray. Star, okay? Oh, but the sun sets <laughs> and rises in, in your eyes. Yep. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. There goes Morgan in the newsroom. Man, oh, man. She can spread it, can't she? All right. We're about 18 minutes before 6. Before 6. Nobody's changed that clock. Yet, and it says before seven, so I had to catch myself. But it's before six o'clock this morning. We've got uh, 39 degrees. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 17 minutes now before six o'clock, 39 degrees. We got about 47 today. You know, we take for granted that, uh, you know, our cows are going to produce 70, 80, 100 pounds of milk a day, but in some places around the world, it's a lot less than that. But research, interesting research. This is an interesting story Jill is going to share right now. Coming from University of Illinois dairy researchers. Jill, what is it? Well, they are doing research that could change the dairy industry for less advanced countries like Tanzania. They soon, they should soon release new dairy breeding that will result in animals producing 20 times the milk of some of the breeds those farmers now use. Their program took the milk-producing prowess of Holsteins and Jerseys and crossed them with the cattle of the Jeer breed. Those animals have tremendous heat, drought, and disease resistance. The researchers have been breeding the new animals in the U.S. and now say they are ready to release embryos in Tanzania this coming March. So far, the cattle produced from these crosses have produced 10 liters of milk a day much better than half a liter per day produced from the straight jeer breed of cow. That's, uh, so that's interesting. Quite- People say, oh, a liter. You know, you go buy, go into the store, you buy a liter bottle of pop. They're producing half of that with a jeer breed now. And now that with these animals produce 10. Now, I don't know, you know, these animals, obviously, at the University of Illinois are getting top care, top feed, top housing top environmental situations, what it's going to be like when they get back to Tanzania, because it's, uh, you know, a whole lot different. I don't know if they're milking them by hand in uh, in uh, Illinois, you know, half a liter, you can, you can milk by hand in a pretty big hurry. So I don't know how it's going to do, but it'll be interesting, and I hope they follow through with this to see how these cattle, when they do release them in Tanzania, and they get to, you know, producing age, if they can produce that 
20 times more than a half a liter, get up to 10 liters a day. But that's that's interesting research, isn't it? Well, it is, and it uh, says so much about the genetics and the advancements in genetics. Yeah, that I heard Holstein and jerseys and crossing with the jeer would be interesting. All right, quarter to six at Wax, and we've got some markets to get to. We'll do it. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we're sneaking up on 13 minutes before 6 o'clock. It's 39 degrees out there, and we need to hear from Jim Lindsay and Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers, $1.50 to $1.75. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, $1.50 to $1.70. High-yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.55 to $1.62. Choice Holstein steers, $1.45 to $1.54. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.44 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from $1 to $1.18. We had a top of $1.19. 60% of the cows sold from $71 to $99. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from $70 and down. Organic market from Tuesday, 80% of organic cows sold from $1.10 to $1.00. Thirty-five. The bottom twenty percent of organic cows sold from a dollar nine and down. Cold bulls sold from ninety to a dollar fifteen. Thin full horn and lightweight bulls all discounted. Eighty percent of the ninety-five pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from two hundred and fifty to four hundred and thirty dollars per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from two hundred and fifty dollars per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from three hundred and fifty to seven hundred and fifteen dollars per head. Here are prices for fancy vaccinated feeder cattle from our last sale, which was held here on November 3rd. Three to six hundred pound beef steers, dollar seventy to two fifty seven. Six to nine hundred pound beef steers, a dollar sixty to two thirty two. Three to six hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar sixty to two forty one. Six to nine hundred pound beef heifers, a dollar fifty to two fourteen. Three to six hundred pound Holstein steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar seventy six. Six to nine hundred pound Holstein steers, a dollar to a dollar sixty. Just a quick reminder: our next special feeder sale is this Friday, November. 10th, this feeder sale will feature red-hided feeders. All classes and breeds of feeders are welcome at this sale. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, he turned down $8 million a year to go to the opposition. He stayed at Equity Stratford. That's Jerry Fitzgerald. So what a guy. I chose uh, over the years the wealth you have uh, accumulated. Uh, well, good morning to you, Bob. Again, um, yeah, well. <laughs> hey, did you have any, did you have an election? We didn't have any elections around here yesterday, did we? Like other parts of the country that I know no, of? No, I there was only, I don't think there was anything in the state of Wisconsin okay. at all. It was, all right. But uh, uh, that, that I know of. But so we will be getting started up in February. So yep. hang on. It won't be long. That is for sure. Well, we should uh, get to the market report here and find out what's been going on in the first couple of days over there at Stratford. Well, we better do that, Bob. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, uh, Tuesday, at Equity Stratford. We'll start out with the organic market yesterday. I yielding good quality certified organic cows yesterday were selling from 138 to 147. Organic market bulls selling from 135 to 140. Now, in the conventional type cows, your regular cows are selling high yielding cows yesterday, selling mostly from 96 to a dollar 15. Most of the cows this week so far are selling between 72 and 95. Thinner cows like carcass cows below 72, and uh, conventional bulls. 
mostly from 104 to 115. Just a summary on the calf market so far this week. Good demand on the bull calves and those beef calves. 200 to 450 on those bull calves, up to 480. That was on Monday. And these beef calves, again, very strong. 350 to 700. And they topped out at 785, also on Monday's auction. But we got a busy, busy Wednesday coming up here at Stratford today. Get underway this morning with the uh, selling the market cattle. Of course, we'll sell the cows today, market cows. A lot of, a lot of fed cattle on the, for today also at 12:30 will be the special red-hided feeder cattle sale. We do have a lot of feeder cattle for you folks today. So not only red-hided cattle, but a lot of other breeds. We've got white parks consigned. Uh, also, we'll have some bred beef cows along with a lot of black Angus and some Holsteins. So a big feeder sale. If you folks are needing feeder cattle, you're selling today at 12:30. Equity Stratford will be the time. And Bob, with that, we'll send her back to you and. Uh, well, it's 30, 37 degrees, so I don't know. Not going to get real warm today, is it? No, nah, get upper 40s, not bad. Hey, have you ever uh, sold gyr cows, G-Y-R, at Stratford? Oh, we were talking about that story from Tanzania. I wonder if any of those have ever got over here. Boy, not not to my knowledge. I Man, I don't know. I'd be kind of interesting to see what they look like, though. Yeah, they're kind of... <laughs> They're kind of uh, like a roan, black roan kind of looking cow, so we'll see what it's all about. Black and white, but uh, not not marked like a Holstein, kind of blending the colors together. All right, sir, well, when you get some, let me know. I want to come and see them. Otherwise, you have a good day. We'll talk to you in the morning. You too, Bob, and uh, not, you know, when you come to see them, you got to get the old checkbook out, you know. Oh, yeah, well, if they only produce a half a liter of milk, I'm not going to pay too much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have a good day, Bob. We'll do the best. There he is, Jerry, over there at Stratford. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Synergy Co-op bringing us our look at the markets here. And we see on the Board of Trade, uh, mostly lower in the day trade yesterday. In fact, December corn down eight and three quarters, closed at 468. That's the lowest December closed contract of the year. And uh, beans were down a couple of cents, shrugging off meal demand and demands and dry and dry in Brazil. Now, overnight, both December and March corn contracts bounced back three cents. December, those only at 471. March at 486. Wheat down a fraction, 351. December wheat up seven overnight at 577. Soybeans, January up 13 cents, sitting at 1375. That's the price we had yesterday morning at this time. March beans up 12 at 1386. December meal up 740 a ton at 45480. Country elevator prices. In loyal new crop corns at 432 with soybeans at 1281. And Arcadia corns at 427 with soybeans at 1296. Chippewa Falls and Connersville corn is at four oh two with soybeans at thirteen dollars. And on the DTM screen at Golden Plump corn is four thirty eight today. In Baldwin four twenty seven with the beans at twelve eighty six. Both Durand and Fall Creek have corn at four twenty seven. The soybeans twelve seventy six. Corns at four twenty seven. Also in Mondovi their beans at twelve eighty one. Elmwood four thirty two on the corn twelve eighty six on the soybeans. Osseo four forty two and twelve eighty six. Elk Mound, 417 on the corn, 1296 on the beans. Sparta, 423 and 1277. And over at Ellsworth, corn is 417, beans 1276. Ethanol plants, corn at Boyceville today, 426. Stanley, 427. New Richmond, 422. Barrel cheese down three and a half, 154 and a half. Blocks down a quarter, 169 and three quarters. Butter down 11 and a quarter at 289 and three quarters. November class three down 11, 1706. December down 24 at 1687. 
January down 16 at 17.04. February down 15 at 17.56. March down 11 at 17.96. Again, some scattered showers out there today, but it should be less breezy as well. So the combines are going to be rolling again. As we said, we've got half the corn off and 80% of the beans in Wisconsin, so there's a lot of field work still to be done. So if you're out and about, be careful. We've got a lot of farm machinery on the roads. Uh, give them another week or so, and then they'll get out of your way. But uh, they got a job to do. Let's let them do it. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com. <laughs>